0: Welcome to the Hoof and Fang Podcast. I'm Kurt Graves.
1: And I'm Asmatics. How was your week? It's it's going. It's, it's yeah. trucking along.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, I hear things happening in there.
1: Yeah. A lot of meetings today. Yeah. So I like just jumped off of one and like sprinted over here and got ready. So, you know, trying to switch, switch gears. <laughs> All six feet. All six feet. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fast run, but.
0: Metaphorically sprinting. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. I
1: sprinted oh. in my mind. Ooh. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: How, how how is um being an author? Is that happening?
1: Yeah, okay. yeah. So that's that's actually going great. I finally got to actually put words down on um Wild Contracts 3 manuscript over the weekend.
0: Amazing. Yeah,
1: so it's no longer just in draft mode where I'm like trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm actually putting words into chapter 1. So it's like it's a great feeling. So Yay. yeah, I'm so happy cuz it was one of those every time I start a new project and it's that blank first page. It's the worst because I always want to nail it immediately, mm. which is impossible. It's a rough right. draft. It's supposed to be garbage inherently, right. but I'm like, it's the first page. So I have to like come out the gate running and be amazing. So I like, I'll type a line and delete it like 50 times before I'm finally like, hi, it's going to suck. It's right. fine. Just move past it. Yeah. And like, once you get through that initial like push of allowing yourself to be crap, you're like, oh, the words are like flowing just fine. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, so I'm like, you, know what
0: you should do hmm. just start with chapter two
1: that's not a bad idea. Like come back to
0: like break some sort of mental block. It probably would beginning.
1: Yeah, it probably would. If I just like act like I've already got that one in the can Mm -hmm. and like, we're in the thick of it now, no problem. Like maybe I can trick my brain into being like, Oh, this is easy. Instead of being like, you have to be perfect. Right. Or why are you even here? You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Skip that whole nonsense.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to do that with like maybe the next short story. I'll just, I'll just start later in the story and be like, this has already happened. and I'll just go back. A shot and of. you
0: end up going back and changing it all anyway. I
1: know. So I don't know why brains are weird. I don't know. Has <laughs>
0: anybody ever tried that?
1: It's got anything. Yeah, if it if it has, if you've done it like, please mm-hmm. let us know, because if, if it's if it works and you figured out a way to like trick your brain to not be a weird perfectionist, please yeah. tell me. <laughs>
0: also, if no one else has ever thought of this and I'm the first one to say it out loud, mm-hmm. uh, trademark. Yes. And uh, I will be selling the method. Start chapter two method mm-hmm. uh, on our website yeah. in the coming months.
1: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> start with
0: chapter two. <laughs> a philosophy brought to you by Kurt Graves.
1: Yes, I like it. I like it. TM, 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 TM. TM, TM. What about you? How's your week going so far?
0: Uh, My week is good. I ended up not quite finishing last week's project on Friday afternoon. Mm. So I had to wrap that up yesterday. Then I started prepping for this new series that I'm starting this week. And today was kind of spent waiting for responses to come to the questions I had. Yeah, Uh, And it's always hard to remember in those moments that it's like, The time you take now Mm -hmm. to get the answers you need will save you so much time later on. Yeah. But it feels like I'm twiddling my thumbs. Mm -hmm. I have tons of other stuff to work on. I did a ton of podcast stuff while I was waiting. Nice. Like like I have shit to do. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was just sitting there not doing anything. But uh, when you're waiting for information to come back, it's like it's hard to remember that that's important. Mm -hmm. And that's also part of the job is like, collect like that's part of prep is collecting the information you need yeah and if you don't have it you have to wait for somebody else to respond and it is easier to wait and have the information you need than it is to jump in uninformed and then find out on the back end oh yeah here's something I wish I knew yeah especially when it's a series like this it's a backlist series it's already six books long mm-hmm like characters have been established things are known about these people in books 4 5 and 6 that mm-hmm. I it's a, it's important to ask the question. Right. Hey author. Yeah, yeah. What should I know about those people? Yeah. Here in book 1 that I don't because I only have book 1 in front of me.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So, so yeah, that was today was just a weird day and then I'll I have all three books in that series queued up to just like the first 3 to like knock out over the next couple weeks, so.
1: Oh, cool, okay. So you can at least like on. hit the ground running tomorrow now that you have yes. all that, nice.
0: Yes. That's yeah. cool. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I'm the same way when it comes to waiting, because I, if that's the project that my mind is ready for, then like that's all I wanna do is this thing. Mm-hmm. So if I have to pivot to something else, it always throws me off really bad. And I'm like, you could like go do laundry instead. I'm like, no, I wanted the vacuum. Like this is what right. I have to do, you know, that kind of stuff. So I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah, so. <sighs> Uh so last week we re- revealed or released our first both. batch of uh, new Patreon benefits. Mm-hmm. How was that for you?
1: It was scary, like weirdly scary. So I actually misjudged what I was feeling that day and thought I was tired because I didn't have enough caffeine mm. and I was like getting a headache. It was not lack of caffeine. It was anxiety.
2: Mm. And I
1: like dumped an entire cup of coffee on being like extremely anxious about like sharing my unedited first chapter of a new book right. to the Patreon. So I felt like shit like mm-hmm. all day. Like it was self-imposed anxiety. Like it's fine. People do this all the time. It's a enorm- Yeah. It's just, <laughs> again, brains are stupid. So like I appreciated that people went on there and, and liked it and, and, you know, are being cool about what mm-hmm. we're doing and stuff. But yeah, dude, I was like, it's, it's very out of my comfort zone. Cause I really don't like sharing snippets and stuff like this because I'm always worried that I don't know, because it's unedited people are going to be like, you know right. what I mean? But I'm like, it's, it's on un- everyone's stuff is unedited. It's mm-hmm. fine. And like, I noted it's, you know, not the final draft new to do it. Like nobody gives a shit, but I do like deeply in my, in my core. So this is pushing out of my comfort zone, but also kind of cool because yeah. I, I don't ever get to like show this part of the writing process where it's just that it's raw, like, you know, Jess signed off upon it, so I know it's not crap. Uh-huh. But like, right. I know that there's some cleanup that needs to happen. For so, sure. but yeah, it's it's fun and also terrifying. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of things are both. Yeah. So, and it's just a reminder that mm-hmm. like our Patreon is an author's Patreon, a mm-hmm. narrator's Patreon, and a podcast Patreon. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great deal for all the things we're doing over there. Yeah. Uh, if you have not signed up, now is a great time to do it. Yeah. We'll revisit that in the future. Yes. So uh, this week, I thought we'd really piss some people off. Love it. And talk about tropes.
1: Yeah, why not? Yeah. Let, let's just make some enemies. Let's have
0: some opinions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so maybe to start with, okay. not that I think anybody's listening to our podcast who doesn't know what tropes are, but right. just in case, mm-hmm. what are tropes?
1: Tropes are the story beats that are very common within specific genres. Mm-hmm. For romance, you've got tropes that go that kind of center around the main love interest or the, the romance plot of the story. Mm -hmm. So very common ones are like enemies to lovers, best friends to lovers, secret billionaire marriage of convenience, like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So it's very established. Like if you are having this type of story, you're following the trope beats of X, Y, Z kind of thing. So that's like a ad hoc, my definition Mm -hmm. of it. So.
0: Which is a little different than genre, right? right? It's different like than can, genre. You can have a genre, and they can follow really any of those trope, yes. story beats,
1: correct? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so why are they unavoidable, and why do they sometimes get a bad rap?
1: Man, that's a tough question. I I think they're unavoidable because stories inherently have been told before. Like you're never going to get a new story. Mm-hmm. So. Inevitably you're going to fall into a trope even if you think you're doing something revolutionary and different and nobody's ever done it before. At least Well, you can do
0: both. Yeah, you can you can be revolutionary and doing something different than nobody's ever done before. Mm
1: -hmm. But it's But the broad
0: strokes are still gonna be somebody's trope. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: You can like, and that's what makes tropes so fun is that it can be a secret marriage but then you're you're putting a new spin on it like if you understand the trope like you're like it has to be a secret marriage or like let's do fake dating because i'm more like familiar with that one Mm -hmm. where it's like they have to pretend to be a couple for whatever like you can do that whatever part and make it something totally different but at its core they have to pretend to be a couple when they're not you know what i mean like that's just gonna happen because there's there's millions of stories out there so Mm -hmm. the flavoring is going to be there even if you're putting cinnamon in it for some reason you know that kind of stuff
0: yeah well and as somebody who wants to sell a story it's Mm -hmm. important that you also identify what your tropes are right uh because there are people out there who look if you're in any of the facebook groups Mm -hmm. about really any literature thing but specifically a lot of romance Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're in any of the romance groups you will see people posting specifically i'm looking for grumpy sunshine yeah that's what i'm in the mood for that's Mm -hmm. my my favorite trope yeah uh and so if you have that identified and you market it as such Mm -hmm. that's how you find an audience
1: yeah it's a big one and well and especially romance like we a lot of people are mood readers when it comes to romance let's just typically what we're what we're like sometimes i'm really in the mood for like a good squishy fluffy best friends to lovers like low angst Mm -hmm. like fun little read but sometimes i'm like no i want like all the drama and make it like a love triangle or something it just kind of depends on what you're vibing with because
0: yeah right people
1: are always different
0: right and I, i think they do get a bad rap because it it's easy to think they are synonymous with like Copying somebody else's story yeah. or being unoriginal mm-hmm. uh, or being lazy. Yes. And That's it's and, and you know, I have learned through time and working with so many different authors and reading so many different books. that mm-hmm. it's like it, it is what you said. You're going to fall into a trope. Yeah. One way or another. And if you don't, it probably means you didn't write a story with all the beats that are necessary to tell a complete beginning, middle and end. Yeah uh, so it's probably just not a very successful yeah story
1: i I think if you have you don't to fall
0: somehow, yeah. into one of those established storytelling mm-hmm. structures,
1: yeah, like you you can play with the structure, you can play with the beats, but the beats have to be there, otherwise it's not a good story you're you're mm-hmm. missing a chunk of it, so you're
0: gonna you're gonna lose readers yeah, who to a certain degree learn to expect mm-hmm what the beats of a story are. And it's not just reading and writing either. I mean, they exist in movies, they mm-hmm. exist in television. Oh yeah. I mean, how many times have you watched a television show and 15 minutes in, you're like, I know where this is going. Oh, for sure. You know? Because yeah. they're using contrivances that like other TV shows that you've watched mm-hmm. have used. And you're yeah. like, Oh, all right. I see. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't take away the enjoyment of it.
1: Oh, it still be great. Even you if you're like, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. you don't think the writers of that TV show were lazy or unoriginal mm-hmm. it's just like they're using these story beats for their characters in the world that they've created mm-hmm. and sometimes when they go off and do the, a different thing you're pissed off about it yeah exactly <laughs> well, <'cause laughs> it stops being enjoyable
1: right Because it like, gets boring yeah that's a big one because like especially within like romance arcs like that like mm-hmm. if you're expecting everything's going great there's that like apprehension of like, Oh, everything's about to go to shit because mm-hmm. that's the, the story has to go that way. It can't just be sunshine the whole time. Right. Otherwise it's not fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of the same with tropes where it's like, if it's a fake dating thing, I'm going to expect them to catch some feelings. That's the point. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so like if they, they somehow step around that and all of a sudden they're getting married and you never established the fact that they fell in love or something. Right. then you're like, well, this is shit. This is right. a bad story. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But I agree.
0: So, Let's talk specifics. Okay. What are some tropes that you really love?
1: I will never get sick of enemies to lovers. Not going to happen. Okay. I love that trope so much because there is something just primal in me that, like, every time I see people who f- fucking hate each other, I want them to kiss so bad. <laughs> like, I just, I something broken in my brain. I have no idea, but like. Every time we watch anything with any type of like animosity, I'm like they're gonna fall in love. And Alex is like, we are watching John Wick. You yeah. know, you just like
0: stop. <laughs> no, one of those two people will be dead yeah. in 30 seconds. Exactly.
1: I'm like, I don't know. In my hand cannon. Yeah,
0: but what if they kiss?
1: Yeah, but what if it's just this little kiss? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my top gold star. Like, if somebody's like, it's enemies to lovers, I'm always like, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Like, you can say anything after that, I'm probably still invested. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. What about you? Do you have, like, a gold star one that, like, you never get sick of?
0: I, I, there's, I mean, there are several. Okay. I really like forced proximity. That's a good one. I really like... I would see, so my thing, I even made a t-shirt about it when we went to that AuroraCon a couple years ago. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I struggle with enemies to lovers because when I have a like when I don't like someone, mm-hmm. I hold a grudge. Yeah. So I can't imagine getting past that to <laughs> then becoming physically attracted to and also falling in love with that person right. Does't right. make any sense to me. Yeah, yeah. but if you start as friends mm-hmm. and have a falling out, yeah and then find your way back to friendship and then to lovers. Okay. So like friends to enemies to lovers, yeah, is like sort a, of like, like the thing that I like. Cause yeah. it's like, yeah, you, you had an established relationship, mm-hmm. something tore you apart. Yeah. And then event you have find your way back to each other. Yeah. That to me registers mm-hmm. in a way that enemies to lovers doesn't, but yeah, I, I do at forced proximity. Like just put two people together. Yeah. Regardless of whether they're friends, mm-hmm. Enemies, whatever. Yeah, make, strangers. Make them, make them have to stay in the same place at the same time until somebody takes their pants off.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yes. I love writing that one because yeah. it's. I do a lot of road trips, so like anytime people have to be in a car for a long periods of time, mm-hmm. they're probably going to fall in love. If it's right. one of
0: my books, well, it's just such but, yeah. a natural way to like get yeah. to know people. Yeah, because you know? yeah,
1: I mean, what else are you going to do to sit there in silence? Somebody's yeah. going to get bored. Right. So.
0: Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's another one that I really enjoy. Do you have any
1: others? So I had to pull up a list. Like I'm, I'm that much of a hack that I'm like, I have like the three that I really like. And I'm like, well, I know there's other ones. Um, let me see. I like forbidden love. Always gold star. Mm -hmm. If it's one of those like different stations kind of thing, like a knight falling in love with Mm -hmm. a King or something. Mm -hmm. Oh (laughs) shit. I'm all about that. (laughs) Easy. Love it. Um, second chance. That one Mm. can be done good and bad. That one, I think sometimes people are like they, they make the break so hard. Like the, yeah. the, the sever of the relationship too much for me to be able to be like, no, I wouldn't come back from that. Like mm-hmm. fuck that person forever. But I, I've read them to be great where it's like, it's been a full heartbreak, but they still find themselves, you know, find their way back to each other. And right. I'm like, oh, I love it, but it has to be done well. Otherwise yeah, can't do it sucks. Yeah.
0: yeah I also, I, I I like Grumpy Sunshine, but I oh, yeah. also like Grumpy Grumpy, which grumpy, I know is not great. really a trope. But like, I
1: love Grumpy Grumpy, you know, yeah,
0: n- two people, neither one of them is looking for love and mm-hmm. they're just in a bad mood. Yeah. Boy, can I relate to that? Uh, and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just speaks. And to against all odds, like they actually become attracted to one another because the other person is also grumpy. Yeah. It's like, oh, I want right. more
1: Grumpy Grumpy romance. Grumpy, I grumpy. love Grumpy. Oh man. Okay. We're going to not evil.
0: Not mean. No, no. Not mean spirited. Just like, they've they've been through some shit. Right. Yeah. Just kind of jaded. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: There you go. Jaded, jaded.
0: Yeah. Jaded, jaded. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Cause I I don't like evil. Like if I, I I can put up with evil for sure. Like mm -hmm. if done well and they're not like truly black soul evil, then I'm usually like, like, you know, comic book villain evil. I'm like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if it's, if they're just, they're just tired and grumpy, yeah. and they just don't want to put up with anyone else's shit. But they fall in love with somebody that level of like, I'm done with everyone. Mm-hmm. I just I love that. That is good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I also I have a love hate relationship. Mm-hmm. So this straddles the line. We'll start moving towards hate. Okay. I have a love hate relationship with slow burns.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: Because I have done some that are mm-hmm. done really well. Yes. Really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nicole Knight series comes to mind. But part of, I think, why that worked mm-hmm. is it was like a polyamorous situation. Oh ah, yeah. So, like, there was romance advancing at all times mm-hmm. and, like, at different levels. So you yeah. got some satisfaction along the way. Right. Um, I also know that just, like, sometimes people meet and they bang yeah i mean that and happens. that's how they meet and that's how they get together and mm-hmm. then the emotional stuff happens mm-hmm. after that so that's also a perfectly valid way yeah f- to, to write a love story oh for sure um and depending on the book sometimes you need that mm-hmm. be like oh thank god they finally got together
1: yeah exactly so yeah i'm the same way it can i i like it if it has that mounting like tension mm-hmm. and like the it's just really dr- that that um, pining is just really drawn out. I love that. Yeah. But like the payoff has to be fantastic. Otherwise I'm going to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> but like the, uh, what a series am I thinking of? The captive Prince series was real. That was like the best slow burn I've ever read mm-hmm. because I don't even think they kiss until book three. You know what I mean? Yeah. So by the time they were like, they do a little peck, I'm like throwing the book screaming <laughs> happy. Cause I'm like fucking <laughs> finally. Cause I've been through so much shit up until that yeah. point. But yeah, otherwise I have definitely read those slow burns when I'm like if they don't at least hold hands soon, I'm going to go to sleep. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I need something. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think we're aligned on slow burn. Mm-hmm.
0: Are there any others that challenge you?
1: You know, I think age gap. I hmm. I can be challenged by that one. I've I haven't read one that I don't like, but every once in a while I'm like, I don't know, man. Like it just it's not one I seek out. So when it falls into my lap, I'm usually like, I'll give it a shot. But sure. it's not one that I chase down. But that one, I think I probably should read more of them. But like, I don't know. That one always sits yeah, goofy. Yeah, that one's
0: very situational. Yeah. Because I have done some. And again, everybody's different. Right. But like when it's the dad's best friend falling in love with the son or I, I, mean, I guess daughter, if we're being inclusive. We're not
1: doing that.
0: Um, Cause I, I have a
1: double standard when it comes mm-hmm. to that shit. I am full. <laughs> You're in neg on n- age yep. gap when it's Super, male, female. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I will st- hard. Fuck that. If it's like older dude, younger woman, yeah. gross. I'm taking her away well, from you. You're nasty. But doesn't like, that
0: say something. that's me right? double
1: standard. Cause if it's a gay romance, I'm like, I'll at least read the blurb. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think it's the same with me. Like if it's a dad's best friend and his son like or if they, something if, uh, if
0: this person has had an established relationship with a child yeah who grew, like for me it's just so hard to see somebody that you knew as a child and think oh now they're hot yeah i
1: don't <laughs> know like,
0: nope. unless you were also a child and you grew up sure alongside them that's, that's a different, different thing. totally different um but like i can't imagine a world in which I ever look at any of my friends' kids and think, "Oh, now that they're eighteen, I can talk about how hot they are." Like, no, nope. I don't need to go there. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. They are. Oh, there's always a part of me that will think of them as the child mm-hmm. that I knew.
1: Yeah, I think that's where my brain is. Where I'm so like, I
0: can't get past that. Yeah, if that's the situation, right? Many other situations exist where, like, that long term relationship didn't happen. Mm -hmm. They just happen to be different ages. Perhaps the young person's very mature. Perhaps the older person's not as mature. Right. You know, they actually meet at a good place where they are in their lives, depending on, you know, there's lots of ways to be compatible when you're not the same age as somebody. Yeah. It's that growing up (laughs) part that I'm like, I struggle when it's best friend. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I'm right there with you. Cause if it's, Two adults. And
0: it's clear that they knew them as kids. Like, Because yes. sometimes it's like, oh, it's my dad's best friend, but.
1: I never met this person. Right. Yeah.
0: Like, they're work friends, or I never met him, or like, they became best friends after I went to college or something. You know? Sure. Like, there's lots of ways around it. Yeah. 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 Whenever there's that whiff of like, here's a person who used to like, see me in a kiddie pool, and now I want to touch our naughties. <laughs> it's like. God, no. everything
1: about that sentence makes me just right. <laughs> no, right? Can't so, can't do it. Uh,
0: but it is for some people. Yeah, it is for like, them.
1: I don't. I'm not trying to like yuck on somebody else's yum. That's fine if that's your jam. Those things exist. Great. Right. I I just I am super not into it.
0: Right. Yeah. And I'll even uh, allow for the possibility that there is somebody out there who could do it very well, and they might change my mind. Sure. Um yeah
1: you'd have to be pretty damn charming,
0: pretty darn, yeah, yeah. pretty darn charming for mm-hmm. me to get past my personal feelings about that sort yeah. of situation. um, another thing that I simply will not fuck with I don't like bully romances,
1: dude, that okay. let's real talk. sorry, sorry. Those are very problematic to me. Mm-hmm. I don't i i I was bullied. I can't imagine like being fucking punched in the face and then being like but he's a nice guy right. <laughs> no that's not cool that's not okay and I, I I just want to hug people who have to go through that shit mm-hmm. or who like project and like that's their way of like coming to terms with things and I, I understand that but you can do better there are nice people out there yeah. who don't have to shove you into a locker to show how much they love you or whatever right not into it
0: yeah, I, again, maybe it's just because I haven't seen it done well, but, like, mm-hmm. I just have gotten such an icky feeling. Yeah. For me, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um. Also, anything with, like, dubious consent or non-consent, like, I oh, just don't jam. think there's a world where you can go from sexual assault to falling in love. Yeah. Uh, I think that is fantasy at its purest form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a fantasy that some people enjoy.
1: Yeah, that's it's four people, and that's okay, awesome. Not
0: yucking anybody's yum as yeah. long as you don't do it in real life.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the big one. You can like write and consume all of this stuff, and I will never judge you for it. Like, mm-hmm. if you're like, no, I love bullied non-con romance, i be like, rock on, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, you enjoy it, and I will champion your right to have it. Right. But as soon exactly. as as soon as it branches out of that, that's when we have a problem. But right. like, yeah, I think it's it's important to just, to distinguish that because a lot of authors will get called out about that shit. They'll they'll write some like dark romances mm-hmm. and then people will be like what's wrong with you and they're like i mean i'm just a person this is fa- this is not real i don't condone right. any of this shit it's just it's fantasy it's, it's fiction it's not real right so but yeah no i'm i'm the same i don't like those super pitch dark black tropes
0: yeah yeah <laughs> so those are some tropes we love and hate mm-hmm. what are some tropes that you love and hate yeah uh, We will have a respectful conversation about it on all our social media channels and also in Patreon. Yes, yes. (laughs) So remember to keep it respectful. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. Mm -hmm. That is always the frame in which we are talking about these things. These are things I don't like or things I like. These are things you don't like Mm -hmm. or things you like. Yes. Uh, They are not good or bad. Mm -hmm. It's just what we can connect to. Yep. Uh, So what are the tropes that you connect with most and what are the ones that? Challenge you the most. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Um, this week. We are not talking to an author of bully romance. In no. fact, quite the opposite. Yes. <laughs> quite the opposite. Very, very different. Um, this week, we're talking to author Tess Carletta. Tess Carletta is the author of Kit and Basie, a cozy fantasy romance that came out in August and was her debut. Mm-hmm. So, this is a baby author. I know. We're getting somebody brand new. She's wonderful. Uh, we actually talk about how much of a baby she is compared to us in the yes. interview. Yeah. Sorry, Tess, for yelling at you for being young. Uh, <laughs> Tess is a library assistant by day and an indie writer every other waking moment. She holds a particular love for sunsets, quiet country walks, and stories about folks who love each other. Can you believe I yelled at this person?
1: She's so nice. She's so we were so just sweet. like, How dare yeah. you be younger
0: <laughs> yeah. than uh, uh, <laughs> She lives in Pennsylvania with two roommates and a round cat, aptly named Ruby the Ham Princess. A note for our audience who watches the podcast on YouTube, we had some technical difficulties during Tess's interview, and so there may be some times when the audio and the video don't line up precisely. I did the best I could. Uh, It locks in eventually, but just be aware that might be a thing. That's fair. For a little bit. (laughs) But this is our conversation with Tess Carletta. Welcome hi. to the Hoof and Fang podcast, Tess Carletta. Hello.
3: Hi. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: We're really excited to chat with you. Thanks yeah. so much for for reaching out. Mm-hmm. You did your author marketing thing and you were like, hi, I have stuff to talk to you about. Yeah. And we're like, awesome. We love talking. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> That's gold star. I had, a, I, have a, I had a peanut gallery of people in my little discord chat being like, you should reach out to this podcast. They're really great people. Aww. That's awesome. That End of interview. Yeah. It can't get better. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. We, we <laughs> that just made my day.
0: <laughs> so we would love to just get to know more about you, your background. As we've been saying, like, what's your author origin story?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it's a little bit twofold because I initially wrote my book, debut book, Kit and Basie, as a writing exercise to try to figure out how the heck writing even works. I felt like I had figured that out already through writing a lot of fan fiction and a lot of short stories, but I had never actually finished anything on my own. So I wrote Kent and Basie as a way to, to like get my little writer legs underneath me. And then I had no idea how to edit it at all because I had never finished anything before. Mm. So I submitted it to a revision retreat that was being hosted by my favorite author and it did not get accepted, which was devastating for me. And I took a break from it. And in that break, I received a really encouraging pep talk from someone who didn't know me all that well. And he just poured a lot of love and like honesty into the pep talk and said, take some time, figure it out, and then you'll be fine. And then eventually during that break, I sat down and read a ton of indie stories. I read Sebastian Northwell's King, Holly King. I read S.O. Callahan's Fella Enchanted series. And I was like, oh my gosh, these are high quality books. Like I could do this. So I was sitting at my office one day and I was like, I'm going to publish a book. And I set a date in my calendar. I said, the book's going to be published by this date. And then it was. So it worked out.
1: That's really cool. We've talked about this before. That it's very rare, I think, in the writing world for people to publish their, the first thing that they ever worked on, like being like, this is the story. I'm going to publish this one because a, a lot of us, me included, the first book I ever wrote, like sat down and like, okay, I want to learn how to do this. I want to I write a book. It's garbage. It's like, it's <laughs> it's such a dumpster fire. It'll never see the light of day. And it like, it's just going to be forever like a dirty secret I never show anyone. So the fact that you were like, I'm gonna learn how well, to do this, so, and then you did it. Is amazing.
3: <laughs> I should say that that I wrote Kit and Basie like as practice because there's another book that I had written seven drafts of since 2017. On. And that every just time don't I would pick about. it up, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> just, we we don't look at her. We don't acknowledge her. She's not very good. Um, so I I was like, I'm gonna work with a world that I understand really well, characters that are familiar to me. So I literally set Kit and Basie in small town Pennsylvania because I live in small town Pennsylvania and I included a bunch of people who remind me of my neighbors and the landscape is of like the main house that the book takes place in is quite literally my backyard.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially like if you need to like take a moment to really like flush out uh, like a scene and like talk about the environment and the sights and the sounds and the smells like,
1: Yeah, that would be cool.
0: To just be able to be like, okay, I know this so well. Yeah. Or I'm just going to walk outside.
3: So the way that it worked out actually was that I had COVID and I was quarantining on my back porch. Mm. And I was sitting in the little chair looking out and I was like, what is what does this cottage's yard look like? And I'm like looking at my willow tree being like, there is a willow tree. And I'm looking at my shed (laughs) and being like, there's also a shed (laughs) because I was a little too sick to, to be any more creative than that. But then it ended up working out pretty well.
0: I think there's a lesson to learn there. Oh, for sure. About like overthinking Mm -hmm. and like over, I mean, in my case it's overacting. Like we're always being told to like bring it back down to earth. Like, I think you can overwrite. Oh God. You know? Yeah. like oh, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, no, this is a world, like just yeah. write the world, uh, you know, and like, keep it simple, keep it basic
3: mm-hmm. for sure.
0: So yeah, I like that. I think there's, there's definitely a lesson yeah. to take away from that situation. For sure. Um, mm-hmm. can you say a little bit, more, I mean, you don't have to go into specifics, but I am just curious about this person who like came to you and gave you advice and encouragement, like, what was it you were struggling with and like, how did they help you through it?
3: Well, part of the reason why not making it into the revision retreat was so devastating was because at the time I felt like it was a really, really good match. Um, I don't mind saying it was Maggie Stiefvater who wrote the Raven cycle. And I just really love her writing. Every time I feel like creatively stunted in any way, I turn back on that audiobook that's, uh, narrated by Will Patton and it's just excellent. Um, but oh, we don't praise treat- the narrators
0: here? Um.
3: Pardon me. There's only one true narrator in this world. Oh my God, um, can you
0: imagine if I was that big a of, of a dick?
3: <laughs> Actually, Will Patton is dead to me. I'm never going to listen to the Braavings. We don't know him. Never, I've never heard of him before.
0: You can make so um. many enemies, hurt. No, I'm not. I can cut this if I want to. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So, okay. Will Patton is a wonderful narrator, and that's a good series.
3: Yes, and the retreat was taking place about two hours outside of where Kent and Basie takes place, and the the actual like cabin itself was where one of my characters is from, and it was a magic. She's a magical realism writer, so. Kent and Basie's magical realism. It was like all these little connections. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're we're a match made in heaven. This is basically book matrimony. And when I submitted it, it obviously I, I didn't get accepted, which was totally fine in retrospect. But uh, the person who gave me a pep talk was a friend of a friend. And we were sitting at the lunch table and everyone was like, did you get into the retreat? And I was like, no, I didn't. Oh. Um, And he was like, okay, girl, listen, you got this. If you want this book to exist, you got to sit your butt down. You got to do the edits yourself. You got to figure it out. You're a college educated girl. And I was like, you're right. I am college educated. I am a strong, like I can do this. Um, And it just was nice, I think, to hear that type of encouragement from someone who didn't know me very well, who like when you accept compliments from your friends, they're, they're obviously going to say nice things to you because they love you. But someone who's a stranger has no obligation to pat you on the back and be like, you're the best author in the entire world.
0: Okay, I don't know that I have the right kind of friends if they're supposed to be doing that.
1: You don't have <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I need to step off everyone's while and be like, "Hey, you're doing a good job." Yeah. I, <laughs> no, no,
0: not my friends. <laughs> you're the
1: best. There's nobody I trust Audio more than my friends in to world. tell me the truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that's really awesome though. Mm-hmm. That like And it it's it just seems like it was the right person in the right place at the right time to give you the push <laughs> that you really needed. Like you needed that more than you needed the retreat.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I love that. I love that. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about the world you created and specifically the characters and what the story is about?
3: Yeah. So Kitten Basie tells the story of an immortal guy who lives in small town, Pennsylvania and has for his 77 year life and his mom passes away unexpectedly. So he is really lost, doesn't know what to do. He sells his house. To this newcomer in town, and the newcomer is, of course, very handsome, very nice. And every time Basie tries to leave Long Lily, uh, the gentleman who moved into his house gives him a reason to stay, and they end up falling in love. I love that.
2: Mm-hmm. I also
1: love that. Like, I love the trope of like an immortal falling in love with a mortal. Like, that's timeless to me that's just because it it it, yeah, it builds it, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> i'm accidentally clever.
1: um but it, like it builds in so much drama like there's this unspoken like stakes that are happening at all times like of course this person I assume is probably gonna be like oh my god I can't like fall for this mortal guy like what what is 100 years gonna look like kind of thing so yeah i I adore that was there a certain aspect like what drew you to wanting to do that kind of Trope in your story?
3: Well, I had just, again, read The Raven Cycle for like the 13th millionth time. And I knew that I wanted to work with magical realism. And the thing about magical realism is it has to, like, the magic has to take the background where the realism is the more important part. And I was struggling with finding a type of magic that felt like it wasn't going to take the lead. And immortality was the first thing that I was kind of like, I can just have an immortal guy and have him be really super normal, but also he's 77 years old, but he also just lives next door and he's our electrician and he seems like he's 25 and completely like any other guy in this town. It also
0: ties into something we've talked about on the podcast before too, which is that I really appreciate books where there is some sort of external obstacle to being together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so- Even like in that situation, it's a very low angst way Mm -hmm. of still being able to say like, no, there's a really big thing you have to consider before you jump into a relationship with this person. Yeah, Like there's, there really is going to be some issues, Mm -hmm. you know, but without making it like the world is about to fall apart, that sort of obstacle. It's just, it's like, it's very grounded. It's very human, but there is something external. It's not just your own. I don't think he likes me. No? Yeah,
2: right, right. <laughs> I, think
1: I can only do, was, I don't think
0: he likes me for so many chapters before I'm like, we no, there needs to be some other reason yeah. <laughs> other than poor yeah. self-esteem. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
3: I think yeah. With, with Basie's story, a lot of it is him thinking that he's supposed to be the right kind of a, immortal because his mom was immortal and he was like, well, this whole living in the same space, doing the same thing every every day thing didn't work for her. And he's like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to travel and I'm going to do what immortal immortal people are supposed to do. And I think the book is him figuring out that that's probably not the way that he personally needs to do his immortality.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like why break the cycle at this point? Like, especially if he's been like living in the same place for 77 years, it's hard to just stop living that life and like shake it up and do something different.
3: You just got to, figure out what's best for you and not listen to what a lot of people tell you you should be doing, which I think is something that people have been trying to do with my generation because I'm 26. And so I'm in the generation that's like, oh. you need to get married. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need to get a house. You need, you need to do all these things. And it's kind of crazy yeah. right now to try to do any of those things.
1: Oh, big time. Yeah. Oh, I no. think we can relate to that because we're, older with an unspecified number and,
0: and like, a, no, I'm sorry. I can't even pretend anymore. I'm almost 40. <laughs> I can't relate to a 26 year old. That's not happening. Um, well, but
1: I, it's like, I remember also being 26 and like,
0: well, I don't, it's too long ago. <laughs>
1: well, like, especially just like from, you know, being a woman, like being told to have babies, it's like immediately and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's almost like evergreen. Like nobody can escape that at this point, but like, now that I'm almost 40, 40, people stop asking me that question, so they eventually stop. But yeah, it's I've, I get. Well, it. and even just
0: the expectation of like mm-hmm. buying a house, yeah, or I mean, even like not everybody can go can afford to go get a four year degree. Like the 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 uh, you know assumption that people are going to do that mm-hmm. even is like no, they can't. Yeah, the the younger generation definitely like cannot do all the same things that. The previous generation did. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. even if they wanted to. And the thing is, they don't want to.
3: No. They don't. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think we should like a lot of and we're getting so off topic, but like I think a lot of these expectations just need to die and be buried. Like it, it college isn't for everyone. Not everyone wants a house. And we sure as hell can't afford it right now. So like why mm-hmm. is there still this weird unrealistic expectation that everyone is supposed to follow the white picket fence you know guidelines where it's like that's not even like the norm for most people anymore so I don't know why we're pressuring 20 somethings to like follow this track that we've proven doesn't work like I don't have a house I'm almost 40 like it's it's insane right now
3: the the moral of the story is if I'm a 77 year old immortal woman that I should be staying in my small town for the rest of eternity
0: (laughs) Listen, I think if you're immortal, you do whatever the hell you want for as long as you want. Amen. Yes. (laughs) uh, Is he immortal in the way that he just will not die of natural causes and won't age? Or like, can he take bullets?
3: He cannot take bullets. Okay. Um, fortunately in his little itty bitty, happy, small town, he doesn't have to take any bullets.
0: Okay. (laughs) Um, I mean, I could say car crash something. yeah, Yeah.
2: Um,
3: This is a little bit of a spoiler, but I have like a follow-up novella coming out in March. And he does teeter on the line of living and not living in that
0: book. Ooh, teasers. I don't know. I love that. Becomes a
3: firefighter, which is very dangerous. Oh. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, that's tempting fate.
1: Yeah, right? Goodness. Yeah. I mean, but if you're immortal, why not, right? I'd be like apparently
0: you're not. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> Immortal doesn't mean impenetrable. <laughs> true,
1: true. You know, but I, I think at 77 I'd be like, heaven, I'm going to at least go try. I mean, mm-hmm. I've never done it before. Why not? Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah.
0: Either in this world that you've already created or in other worlds, like are there other types of magic that you want to play with as an author?
3: Yeah. So I'm working on a manuscript right now that takes place in just a full fantasy setting. Now that I've like figured out how to like write a, an actual book, I'm like now I can write other books, and so the Isn't one I'm working on—it's like wow, I actually can do it. Uh, the one I'm working on right now: in the world, the sun makes people grow plants out of their skin, and there's two oh, different so about kingdoms. To be like,
0: Listen, I have—that's <laughs> what the sun does.
3: That's the skin. The sun well, makes like, people grow people plants.
0: Gonna... I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have a science lesson. Out of their skin. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. <laughs>
3: that, that was the thinking when I was trying to figure out like how the magic works because I was like, well, what is going to justify people growing plants out of their skin? And I was like, the sun, the thing that grows all things. Yes. Um. So that's kind of fun because there's one kingdom that tries to avoid that at all costs. So they live in complete darkness. And then there's another kingdom that they try to like utilize that and incorporate that into their aesthetics and their daily lives and the way that they defend themselves and all those sorts of things.
0: That's oh, fascinating. Super,
1: I love that. That is so interesting.
0: And like, you know how they say there's no new ideas. Mm-hmm. I literally haven't heard of that anywhere else. Yeah. I
3: was supposed to have never heard of that. That's so, so cool. It's, it's kind of based off, not really, but a little bit based off of this old, like Tumblr-y fandom. Trope called Hanahaki. I think. I'm pretty sure that's right. Where if you experience unrequited love, you start to like cough up uh rose petals and flowers. And then eventually, if your love is super unrequited, you end up dying. And the only way to cure it is to I guess have your love love you back. But it's just, it's so tropey and it's a little fandomy. It, like, I don't think it's an actual. Thing from Japanese culture. It's just something that the internet invented ten or twenty years ago.
0: God bless the internet.
1: Yeah, sometimes there's little gems in there. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that is a really cool idea. Yeah, I like that. I do too. You're gonna have to let us know when that drops because I'm gonna have to read that.
3: That sounds too cool to pass up. Write it up to your expectations, then.
0: Like we have high expectations.
3: Yeah.
1: Is it romance? <laughs> Do they have flowers growing out of their skin? Pre-ordered. Like yeah. that sounds dope. <laughs> Bonus. Well, if there's a sort because, of external conflict. Yeah. Well, I would imagine so. If there's two like rival kingdoms, basically, mm-hmm. that's so cool.
3: I I got the idea because I was like, I'm gonna write exactly what I would like to read at this moment. Like all my favorite little things jam packed into a singular book. I was like, forbidden romance, check. Flowers, check. Kissing. Check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good checklist. <laughs> is
1: that the one where like cause you we asked you for some information? Is that the two guards? Is that a different story?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Cause I was oh, gonna yeah. ask you about that. Cause I was like, two guards like falling in love. What is that about? Now I'm even more like, oh hell yeah. That just sounds cool.
3: <laughs> oh, I've gotten um I am working with an artist named Jan who goes by Thistle Arts on on a bunch of social media platforms. And he did the cover for Oak King, Holly King. He did the cover for uh, Rita Rubin's most recent work, which has a title that I always mess up. But the covers are gorgeous. They're absolutely stunning. And he just sent me the artwork that goes with the, the flower guard story. And seeing the main characters in like all the splendor of their their armor, I was like, I could not have imagined. I could not have dreamt this up myself. So that's been kind of cool to work with someone who knows what they're doing artistically and then mm. be able to incorporate that into the book.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I, I'm not going to ask you to show it here because it's spoiler, but I might have to bug you to see that later because that just, that just <laughs> sounds cool. Yeah, I'll, like, I'll email amazing. it to
3: you. Excellent.
0: Oh, behind the scenes. Yes, and I will Things share it to no one. It is privileged yes. information. Yes,
3: I've been showing like all my friends. I'm like, have you seen this artwork of my main characters? You haven't because it's only now, now you have. How could they possibly? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's awesome. That cool. um, like, what other influences have you had? You've mentioned a couple of authors that you really like their work, but like, is there anything else that influences you? Clearly, like Tumblr. Like, are are you just one of those people who, like, absorbs ideas?
3: A little bit. I, so Kit and Basie is very much a cottagecore story, and it's the direct result of me reading The Raven Cycle, but also reading Anne of Green Gables. And not only Mm. reading it, but having, like, a weird autistic hyperfixation on it for four years where all I did was watch Anne with on Netflix and read fan fiction and read the, the novel series by the original author and all the remakes. And I loved living in that world. And it was the first time that I'd ever engaged with literature that made me want to develop a unique narrative style. Because mm-hmm. before I was just sort of writing, like you look at the sky, the sky is blue. Like it just sort of just, this, laundry list things out and you don't really have fun with the language and the words themselves and reading Anne of Green Gables even though it's a classic children's novel that's a little bit like oh my gosh why is she reading Anne of Green Gables of all the books but it was the first time I was like oh my gosh I can take this dictionary of words in front of me and create this really exquisite piece of art. So that's been kind of a big influence of just like giving me a little shove to have fun with my writing.
0: That is cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm testing my literary knowledge here. Anne of Green Gables, that's the one that takes place on Prince Edward Island.
3: Yes, it surely is. Yep. Okay,
0: I thought so. My best friend, Stephanie, from high school, I just officiated her wedding in October. Nice. Um, She wrote her master's thesis on uh, something (laughs) called literary tourism, uh, where people like we'll read a book like Anne of Green Gables and then make a point of like going to see the place where it was. Like where it was set.
3: That
1: sounds interesting.
0: Yeah.
3: It's really big in PEI. Like you go and you can see the house. You can go and watch the place. There are people dressed up like the characters. Like it's all, it's all Anne of Green Gables there.
0: That's really cool. Do you think you'll make the trek someday?
3: I recently learned that there is a literal bridge that connects the island to the rest of Canada. So I don't travel very well, but one day I have a feeling I'm going to end up making it there because of the presence of that bridge.
0: Do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yes. <laughs> That's got to be well, like a bucket list thing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I've only done... I, I'm trying to think if I've really ever done true... Literary tourism. I made a point of going to the church where Madeline Langle is interned in New York City when I visited. Oh, rock on. Um, Just because like that was that was special to me uh, because she was so special to me as a young person. But yeah, I I think there's something to that literary tourism.
1: Yeah. I went and walked around the graveyards of New Orleans trying to find Lestat's Mm, tomb. There you go. So did you you find it? Did No. It's very well hidden or slash doesn't exist.
0: (laughs) Uh, I was like, wait, I'm literally sitting here like, wait, that's real? No, (laughs) no. I
1: I need to go. uh, So when Jess went to New Orleans, she went and saw Anne Rice's tomb and it's beautiful. She brought me back a rock because she's a good friend. (laughs) So she's like, I got this from the cemetery. And I was like, I love you.
0: Was Jeff supposed to take that rock?
1: I mean, it's a public cemetery. It's fine. Or or Anne Rice is going to haunt me. Which is fine. That's okay, too. Yeah. Write that Both book. great things.
0: Ooh, you're haunted by a...
1: A horror novel? fantasy horror novelist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ooh. She okay, we're too. coming up with new ideas. Yeah, I'm going to jot that <laughs> down. <laughs> is there anything else our listeners should know about you or your upcoming work?
3: The novella that comes after Kit and Basie is going to be on the shelves with extra bonus stories, including one by a guest author in March. Hopefully, if all goes well. And I guess just if you want to have guards in love and flowers out of your skin and all that extra good jazz, then you can follow me on Instagram. I'm just under Tess Carletta. That's it.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. We really appreciate it. And we hope you'll come back.
3: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much to Tess for reaching out to us and for dealing with so many technical issues during her recording. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a reminder that her debut novel, Kit and Basie, is available now. Came out in August. Brand new baby author. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's not a lot of backlist to catch up on before the companion novella set in the same world comes out next month in Mm -hmm. March. Let's do it March. That's called Patchwork. So look out for that. Awesome. And uh, make sure to follow Tess on social media. All of her links are in the show notes. You should also be following Hoof and Fang in all the places. Yes. On Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, But of course, the best place to follow us is as a member of our Patreon you can follow us for free, or you can sign up at the $5 or $10 levels. We've got some exciting plans for the end of this month, mm-hmm. and we're going to be announcing those things to our members first. Yes. So if you haven't already, at least go sign up and get that free membership so you know what's coming down the pike in February. Besides that, we'll be back next week, mm-hmm. and we'll talk to you then.
1: Yeah, see you then.
0: We'll be talking to uh, author R.K. Ashwick.
1: Yeah. That was an awesome interview. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Bye-bye.